comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know God better, live life better, and impact their world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Praise the Lord. Kenomadit. We thank God for how far he's brought us. I trust that you've enjoyed this fast. We thank God for the last day of this fast. And we thank God for the opportunity granted us to appear before him night after night for the strength he gave us. It's time for our personal supplication. I want you to present your needs. God is very much concerned about your needs. He said, whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. It is on that authority we come to God with our personal supplications and petitions. And I know, I have no doubt that every prayer, petition, or request in this fast will return as testimony for you and your family. Go ahead, wherever you are, and begin to present your needs and personal supplications and petitions before God in the name of our Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We present our needs and our supplications before you. You know them, but you said we should ask and it shall be given. And so, Lord, we come before you asking in the name of our Lord Jesus. We pray that for this church family, every prayer petition will return as testimony. In this fast, let no prayer expectation go unanswered. In the name of the Lord Jesus, let be testimonies, bumper harvest of testimonies, bumper harvest of miracles, breakthroughs, open doors in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you that in this month, every request that is raised on this altar shall return as testimonies in the lives of every member in our church family in the name of Jesus. And everyone who is hooked on to this broadcast, thank you, Lord, that as they bring their personal supplications and needs and desires before you, they are harvesting testimonies. They are harvesting answers in the name of the Lord Jesus. Unto you that heareth prayer, unto you we have come. Unto you that answered prayer, unto you we have come. By terrible things in righteousness, your word declares you will answer us. Answer us speedily. Answer us quickly. In the name of Jesus. Even as you bring intervention and answers to every prayer raised in this fast. From Wednesday all the way to tonight. In the name of Jesus, Lamba Katoke Libra Hande Kezubra Devatasa, Make Sokete Kaliba Handasa, Lingra Doko Ziba Liva Kasogeri Andalaba Toza, Magade Brade Kezubale Katansa. 
Pandi boko sagala la batasa. Rege de kelubra hande gezo brande de ketezava. Brande boko sagala la bahandasa. Reka baka toka brande bakaba. Rega bako sebrediva hande lebro hande kelelebe kazo brande kazua. Liba de zulala tegina kazunginda bandose. Buku sagade katiga di grado koziga leana la batasa. Fali grade kizabalo kote kaba. Now lift up your voice in the language of a spirit and begin to thank God, give him praise, give him glory with confidence. He said this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Thank him for hearing you. Thank him for answers. Thank him for testimonies. Lift up your voice and begin to thank him. Oh, we give you praise. We give you glory. We thank you for harvest of answers. We thank you for harvest of testimonies. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you for open heavens over our lives, over our families, over our businesses, over anything that concerns us, over this church family. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus, much less name. Father, we thank you for hearing us, the grace you gave us to wait on you on Wednesday, Thursday, and tonight. Lord, thank you, Lord, for every prayer answered. Thank you for every petition granted. We honor you and we bless you in Jesus' precious name. Lord, as we get into your word, we pray for understanding and illumination. Open our eyes to behold and gross things out of your law. In Jesus' matchless name, amen. Great. We want to continue our teaching on understanding the times and seasons. Understanding the times and the seasons. Paul said concerning times and seasons, I don't want you to be ignorant. And Chronicles tells us that if we are not informed about times and seasons, we are likely to make mistakes. That's why we need to understand the various timelines. And in this particular season, we are looking at the end times. What times are we in? The Bible said to everything, there is a season, a time to be born, a time to die. So there is time for every activity. And one of the times that biblically or prophetically we are in is the end times. So we need to understand events about the end times. We need to be able to appreciate some aspects of the end times, particularly those that relate to our lives as believers in this present moment. So we can live our lives well. Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica and explained a lot about the end times. I said from the very beginning that this is a letter where Paul spent a lot of time teaching and laying emphasis about the return of the Lord. And so he wrote to them and says, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be guarded to meet him. Now, he needed to bring clarification because in 1 Thessalonians, he spent some time talking about it. But in, in between 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, somebody or some people apparently have gone to sow some tears among the wheat that Paul sowed. So he needed to come back and bring clarity and clarification on it. And like I told you earlier, when it has to do with end times, there's always a lot of dust people throw into our eyes. And we need to get into the word of God, understand from God's word what his mind is about it. So Paul began to speak and said, don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. 
Don't believe them. You remember Jesus was speaking about the same thing, I think, in the book of Matthew 24. And he says, be careful you are not deceived. Paul is saying, don't be alarmed. Be careful you are not deceived because people will say a lot of things. So be careful you are not deceived. Don't believe them. Even if they claim to have a, have a spiritual vision or revelation or a letter supposedly from us, disregard it. Don't be fooled by what they say. And I told you that when it has to do with end times, you need a lot of wisdom and balance. If you don't get the information right, you can commit a lot of mistakes. You can make a lot of foolish mistakes. Almost every generation has thought that Jesus will come in their time. Almost every generation. When I got born again, it looked like Jesus was going to come the next uh, year. And here I am. Having worked with God for close to 20 years, he has not come. And I'm still here. But the Bible says he will come soon. Some people have gotten born again much older than I am. And when they also got up, they thought Jesus was coming. And after serving God, working with him for 20 years, 30 years, 60 years, he has not come. So if you had the revelation wrong, all these 20 years, imagine that when I got born again, I bought into that revelation. Jesus is coming soon and I decided I won't work, I won't do anything. And after 20 years, when he had not come, can you imagine what would have become of my life? And there are people who are living the same way now. I don't want you to be a victim. So that's why I'm helping you out through God's word. Now, during our last teaching, we established that when it comes to the coming of the Lord, there are four important things we are called to do. Four important responsibilities we are called to. One, we are called to wait. We are called to wait for the coming of the Lord. Because he said, we'll come, we have to wait for him. He said, I go and I'll prepare a place for you. When I'm done, I will come back. Because he said that we have to wait. Number two, and then we said, we have to work. We don't just have to be working idly like people were doing in the church of Thessalonica. No, we have to be working, seriously working. Whatever our mandate is, whatever our job is, we have to be seriously working. And then number three, we have to watch. So we don't just get carried away in our jobs. Don't spend all your time sold out to your job without giving a thought to the coming of the Lord. You have to be watching. While you walk, while you work, sorry, you watch. Work and watch. Work and watch. That's what it means. And then, of course, number four is to witness. This is a responsibility Christ gave us. In fact, in the book of Acts, this actually comes out very clear. In the book of Acts, when Jesus was about to ascend, you know, the disciples were concerned about his coming back. Look at verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 7 to 8. They were asking, would you, because you see, when Jesus was with them, they were looking at freedom from the Roman Empire. They were looking at the time where they would be set free, liberated from the Roman Empire and all kinds of things. And they were concerned about when Jesus will come and set them free or so make them rulers because he had spoken to them about it in my kingdom I will rule with you so he said well would you at this time restore unto us the kingdom when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel and Jesus told them listen you've gotten it wrong that is not the subject that is not important for now we are not talking about the kingdom reign will come but this is not the moment 
But what is the moment? He said, as for the times and the seasons, don't worry about it. But there is something you need to know. Verse 8, he said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. So while they were thinking about the restoration of the kingdom, Jesus said, there's an assignment for you to do. And there are a lot of people who can spend their time debating this, when is Jesus coming and all of that and they are not doing anything productive with their lives. We have four core responsibilities. One, to wait. Two, work. Three, what? Four, to witness. That's what we are called to. And in this service, we want to look at waiting. Somebody say waiting. Waiting. Waiting is the foremost thing we are called to do in preparation for the return of the Lord. That's the foremost thing. We see that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2 to 10. Paul describes the church of Thessalonica as a church that was an example. Let's read. He said, we always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. Verse 2. And we, as we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and your enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. Five. For when we brought you the good news, it was not only our words, but also with power. Four. Not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. And you know of our concern for you from the way we live when we were with you. Verse 6. So you receive the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both of both us and the Lord. Verse 7. As a result, I like it. As a result, you have become an example to all believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. Now, that's very beautiful. The Thessalonian Christians were described as examples. The Thessalonian church was an exemplary church and it, the, I mean, by extension, the Christians were also exemplary Christians. And Paul begins to give us ideas about why they were exemplary Christians. Verse 8. He says, And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you, from you to people everywhere. When you meet a Christian who is an example, you see that the word of God goes out of them. They share the gospel freely with people they meet. That's an example of a Christian. Even beyond Macedonia and Achaia, for wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. May people speak about your faith in God. In your office, do people talk about your faith in God? In your line of work, do people speak about your faith in God? The Thessalonian Christians were such a beautiful example. People were speaking about their faith. Everywhere they turned, people were speaking about them. They have to, anywhere you meet, anywhere you met people, they will tell you, have you heard about the faith of the Thessalonian Christians? Have you heard about them? They are amazing Christians. They are so true. They are so committed. They are so dedicated. I pray you become that dedicated. I pray that you have a similar testimony. Then he says, we don't go to verse 8, please. We are not done. He says, people are telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it. Verse 9. Verse 9. 
for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turn away from idols to serve the living and true God. That's an example of a Christian. Christians turn away from something to serve God. If you claim you are a child of God and you have not turned away from anything since you got born again, there is something wrong with your faith. You can't be a child of God without turning away from something. The Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When the, Christ, the Thessalonians came to faith, the Bible said they turned away. They turned away. Have you turned away from your boyfriend? Whom you were sleeping with, having sex with, though you are not married. Have you turned away from that person? You used to steal. Now you say you are born again. Have you turned away from the things you used to steal? I remember a song somebody sang and said, all the bad, bad things I used to do, I do them no more. There's a great change since I met God. That's how a Christian ought to be. So Paul says they are examples because they turn away. And they did not just turn away to come and sit in church and warm pews. But they turned away from idols and they came to serve the living God. So don't just turn away from sin. Make sure that you are actively serving. Paul said, we used to be servants to sin, but now we should yield ourselves as instruments of righteousness, as servants of righteousness. So this is the moment. He said, they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's son from heaven. Beautiful. That's another example. They, they were examples because they were looking forward. I like this translation. They were looking forward to the coming of God's son from heaven, Jesus Christ, whom God raised from the dead. He's the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. They were looking forward. The King James says they were waiting for it. Are you looking forward? He said they turned from idols and to wait for his son from heaven. That is how a Christian should be. That is how an exemplary Christian should be. A Christian whose life is an example. A Christian who is a model. Must constantly be waiting for the Lord. Wait. Wait. The word wait. In the Greek means to await someone with patience and confidence expectantly. That's what it means. To wake, wait in Greek means to await someone with patience and confidence expectantly. That's what it means to wait. The word wait does not connote passive waiting. It, 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 it connotes a season of a waiting that is characterized by activity and much endurance that is waiting. We see a similar uh, rendition of it in first, yeah. He said, I always thank God, my God, for you and for the gracious gift he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus, verse 5. That in everything you are enriched, that through him God has enriched your church in every way with all your eloquent words and of all your knowledge, verse 6. That confirms that what I told you about Christ is true, verse 7. So that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus. That is one of the things we are called to do. As we discuss the, the end times, I want you to know that the first responsibility we have, as far as the end time is concerned, is to wait for it. We must constantly be waiting for it. Waiting in anticipation, waiting in expectation, waiting 
while busily working for the Lord. Why is it so important that we wait for the coming of the Lord? Two reasons. One, we need to wait because of the certainty of his return. And I'm going to use two C's to help you remember. Because of the certainty of his return. The certainty of his return. Sometimes some Christians forget that God will return. As for unbelievers, they don't think about it. But some Christians actually sometimes live their lives. When you watch some Christians talk to them, you see how they are living their lives, the things that preoccupy them, the things that run around them, the things they are so engrossed in, you can see that these Christians actually maybe are not sure that Christ will return. But I want you to know that the return of Christ is a certainty. It's a cert- Jesus said it himself. In the book of John chapter 14 verse 1, he said, let not your heart be troubled. For in my, believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 2, he said, for in my father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And that where I am, there you may be also. Take note. Where I am, there you may be also. When we read First Thessalonians, Paul says, when the Lord comes for us, then we shall ever be with the Lord. Jesus said, where I am, there you may be also. So, he promised that he's certainly going to come back. You should be excited about that. He's coming back. This world is not our home. It's not our home. We are citizens of the earth. We have a business to do here, but this is not our destination. And you must get it. You must not live your life as if the earth is your destination. No. Wait. There's a better place. Behold, look at that. Revelation said, behold, I come quickly. I come. Not only is he certain that he's going to come, but he's also going to come quickly. And my reward is with me to give every man according to his work. So, most certainly, Jesus will come back. How do I know? He said it. So, we need to wait for his coming because of the certainty of his return. From his own words, he's coming back. We realize that an angel, when he was ascending, you remember when Jesus uh, resurrected and was about to ascend in the book of Acts, an angel, two angels actually, came from heaven and they announced, the Bible said, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Now, let's go to verse number 9. And when he has spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. This was when Jesus was ascending. Verse 10. And the disciples were just looking up like that while he was going. And while they looked, I'm sure that's how they were looking. Looking up. As Jesus was being taken out of their sides. The Bible said, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went, two men stood by them in white apparel. I believe they were angels. Verse 11. Who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, take note, this same Jesus who was taken up from you to heaven will come will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. If you are watching with someone, tell the person Jesus is coming back. That's why we need to wait for him. We're waiting for him because it's certain he's going to come back. 
Apostle Paul talked about the fact that Jesus is going to come back. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1 to 3. He said, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together, we don't want you to be shaken in mind. We don't want you to be in doubt about it because it is something that is going to happen. For sure, he's coming back. That's what Apostle Paul was saying here. Not only did Jesus affirm the certainty of his coming, but Paul spoke into it. Look at Apostle Peter. In the era of Apostle Peter, I'm sure some people were talking. I mean, I'm sure that even around you, some of your friends have told you, Wait, this your Jesus, will he ever come? Will he ever come? Sometimes people say it mockingly. Listen, when people mock you about whether or not Jesus will come back, don't worry about it. Rather, feel sorry for them. Be moved to pray and to trust God for their salvation because they don't know what they are doing. A mockery about the second coming of Christ did not start with you. So you not be the first person whose faith in the second coming of Christ will be mocked. In the days of Peter, he actually wrote to them, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which to stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you be mindful of the words which were spoken by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord Jesus, apostles of the Lord and Savior. Look at that. Knowing first that scoffers will come in the last days. Scoffers. You know who scoffers are? Mockers. They will come in the last days walking against their own lust. Saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue. (laughs) Amazing. All things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Verse 5. For this they willfully forget that by the word of the Lord the heavens were. Now, please give me the New Living Translation of that text. This is Peter. Go to verse 4, 3 and 4. 3 and 4. Verse 3. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, coffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. What truth are going to mock? They are going to mock the truth that Jesus will come back. Some people say, oh, if Jesus will come back, he would have come back. Ah, if you are sitting on a truck, by this time you would have gotten here. I'm sure people have told you that before. But the truth of the matter is that he will come back. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. But unto us, which are saved, it's the power of God. So, don't get worried when people mock you about whether or not Jesus will come back. I told you earlier, Paul felt that Jesus was going to come in his time. He died and Jesus had not come. When I got born again, I felt Jesus was going to come. He's not come. So, he said he will come soon. And as we read along, you'll come to appreciate why the soon of God may be a thousand years. Jesus can say, I'm coming in the next one hour. And it could be one thousand years. Because you see, God does not read the calendar the way we read it. In your calendar, one day is 24 hours. In God's calendar, one day can be 1,000 years. The Bible says one day with the Lord is like a thousand, and a thousand is like one day with him. So they say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. So they were mocking. They say, ah, you guys, you keep on making money. Jesus will come back. Nothing has changed. 
Nothing has changed. I mean, we've been sinning, we've been fooling, we've been chasing guests. And if you would come, you would have come a long time ago. Everything has continued just exactly the way it used to be. Then Peter began to speak. He said, they deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the way of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Now, that's what Apostle Peter is saying. He said, just as God spoke and the words came into being, you must have confidence and faith in the Father. If he says he's coming, he's going to come. He said, then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. Verse 7. And by the same word, the present heavens and the earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment. When the ungodly will be destroyed. Eight. But you must not forget this one thing. Now, this is where he's coming. He said, listen, don't mind the people who say the day of the Lord will not come. <laughs> don't mind them. As for the day, it is certain it's going to come. Don't forget. He said, you must not forget this one thing. Dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day. That's why you should not. When he says, I'm coming soon, and he say he's not come. It's because the way he measures this is different from the way we measure it. <laughs> Verse 9. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. And, you know, when people say, if you are sitting on a truck, he would have come. They are simply saying, your God is slow. But here the Bible says, God is not slow. And even if he's slow, it's on purpose. He says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. As some people think, no, he's being patient for your sake. Do you know? Maybe you are watching this, you are not safe. And you are wondering, you may even be mocking me. Pastor, what are you talking about? This Jesus is coming back, he's coming back, it's not true. Listen, it's because of somebody like you, that's why he's not come back. And when people mock you, tell them, they are the reason why he's not come back. God is so merciful and loving that he, don't want, he doesn't want anybody to perish. That's why he's decided to slow down his coming. He says he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Ah, what a merciful and kind God. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. So don't just uh, be playing and for thinking, oh, if pastor you say God is merciful, he will come at his own time. He's waiting for me to be saved. Then I'm going to continue sinning. No, listen. In the next verse, Peter tells us, you can't continue to sin as usual. You can't just say, oh, if God is being merciful to me, then let me just continue and live my life and sin, fornicate, flow with women and not acknowledge Jesus as my savior and then move on and live anyhow. No, he says no. You must also be reminded that he will come like a thief. He will come at the time you don't expect. He said he's coming so you say he has delayed. And he says, the reason I'm delayed is because I want you to be saved. And now they are saying, if he's going to wait for you to be saved, then you're also going to fool. Then he's warning you that he's going to come like a thief. So while you sin, you can't tell when he's coming. That's why you need to acknowledge him now. He says, today when you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. For today is the day of your salvation. Now is the day. It's important. So the first thing is the fact that the certainty of his return. We need to wait, number one, because of the certainty of his return. Number two, we need to wait because of the closeness of his return. 
the certainty and the closeness. If the coming of the Lord was any time near, I believe that time is now. The coming of the Lord has never been as close as these times we're living. He says, I'm coming quickly. I'm bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their work. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. And when I talk, I come to talk about watching. I'll be telling you about three D's that Jesus told us to watch out for in this particular text. But he says that take heed that no one deceives you. Then he goes on. For many will come in my name saying I'm the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Now, all of these are pointers to the fact that we are very close to the hour. Even this COVID-19 pandemic is a sign. The Bible said there shall be diverse pestilence in diverse places. When you go to verse number, it says, verse 7. It says, you, verse 6, you hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. You hear of wars and rumors of wars. Rumors of wars. One nation attacking one nation. Trump was just uh, some few months back, last year. He was just uh, speaking about how he could blast uh, North Korea and all of those things. The threat of North Korea. All of these are pointers to the times. He said, all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Verse 7, he said, for nation will rise against nation. The word nation comes from the Greek word ethnos. It talks about conflicts. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines. Go to Sudan, the four area, famine. Farming has killed much more people than the two world wars put together. Farming. Farmings. Farmings. Pestilence. Earthquakes in various places. You remember the tsunami, the Japanese tsunami? Earthquakes in diverse places. The Bible says, and the, verse 7, it says, and there will be pestilences in diverse places. Pestilences. 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 COVID-19. Now, that is what we are dealing with. But the Bible says pestilence. It means that after COVID-19, don't say I'm a, I'm a doomsday prophet, but scripture says that there will be other pestilences. All of these are pointers to the end of age, to the coming of Christ. It said earthquakes in various places. Earthquakes, fires. Australia just came out of a major fire. All of these are pointers that we are very close to the time. That's why it's important that we wait. We wait. We must wait because one of the certainty of his coming. He said, I'll return. You cannot be in doubt. You must not be in doubt. God has never left us in doubt of the fact that he will return. So that is certain. And then, of course, we need to be sure, know that we are very close. We must wait because we are very close to his return. I pray that when he comes, he will find you so doing. He told them, the Bible gives a parable about a man who traveled to a place and he gave talents to his people. And he told them, do business till I come. Get busy. I pray you'll be busy till he comes. I pray that you wait and he will meet you waiting for him. I pray that there will be oil in your lamps. That's why we keep on fasting and praying because we need fresh oil. If you don't fast and pray like we just had, 
the oil in your lamp will quench. And if you don't have light, when it comes, you won't see it. You need to have light to see it when it comes. So stay awake, stay alert, because the coming of the Lord is very close. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord watch you. The Lord preserve you. The Lord protect you. If you made time to watch this broadcast, go ahead and share it with somebody. Let them appreciate the fact that the second coming of Christ is certain. The second coming of Christ is close. The Lord bless you. Uh, Or you are just watching it and you are not born again. It's my privilege to introduce you to the Lord. Just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I call upon you. Come into my heart. Forgive me my sin. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you. I confess with my mouth you died. I believe in my heart that you rose again for me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus precious name. By faith, I believe I'm a new creature. All things are passed away. All things have become new. Father, thank you for everyone who prayed that prayer. Thank you that they have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your dear son. I honor you and I bless you that having made the decision, you will grant them the grace to wait until your coming. In Jesus matchless name. Amen. The Lord bless you. We are going to continue this same teaching on Sunday. I look forward to seeing you. It's time for us to honor God with our offerings and our tithes. Pastor Afuaka has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages as well as books by Pastor Afuaka, please call 540 or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also visit our website at www.faithhousechapel.com for any further information. Log on and be part of our power-packed online services live every Sunday for our celebration service at 9am and every Wednesday for our discovery service at 7pm on Facebook and YouTube using the handle Faith House Charismatic Chapel International. God richly bless you. Hey!